0: From Hello, welcome back to Hamster with a Blunt Penknife. You are about to endure episode two of Resurrection of the Daleks. I'm Paul Quinn and I am delighted to have been invited to dissect Eric Sayward's um, opus or anti-opus by uh, your ever-reliable host, Mr. Joe Ford hello there um you know i've got a question
1: for you straight away before we even go into this episode it's something we were talking about just a second ago and that is that this unfortunately has the uh, title doctor who slapped on it uh you know as every single eric saywood script does do you think that's a problem
0: it is for saywood because he clearly wants to write for hard men with guns homoerotic or otherwise if you look Across his um, episode, even The Visitation, Michael Robbins' character, who's so dull, I've forgotten, he's got his flintlock gun, um, you've got an exploding gun that does for the pteroleptorals, I think. The proto-philo is um, Lieutenant Scott in Earthshock. If you think of how we burst in, Lieutenant Scott, he might as well go space bastards or something like that waving big guns around and, and Lytton is obviously the, the key figure there. Orsini as you've already said on, on, on your previous episode about Revelation of the Dice, is a more interesting variant on that figure and you can see I think um, that Say What is working within what's on television at that time And previously. So obviously Callan, as everybody knows, is the key influence on Orsini. It's the hitman with a conscience, with a smelly companion. That's Callan and Lonely from the um, ITV series from the late 60s into the early 70s. you can also see Callan, I, I don't know, so often commented on, in the emotion speech in Earthshock is very similar to a, see, spe- a speech in um, series four of Callan in the episode where Callan's reign as head of section comes crashing to an end because his conscience kicks in. Or his sense of revenge actually kicks in uh, as well. But if you look at um, something like Sandbaggers, which we were just talking about, the, the Phenomenal, spy series itv produces 1978 through 1980 with roy Marsden as this kind of tough um intelligence officer who had been in the armies he got roy roy lennon there with him as well you know he's tall he's in the three-piece suit he smokes he eats he's a former alcoholic so he can't drink always eating beef burgers doesn't mind sending men to their deaths. that's the kind of morris Colburn figures we got here obviously klein Colburn's own character from gangsters he's lurking in the background, even something as disposable as um, Bodie and Doyle yeah. Morris Colburn could just, as yeah, he could be recast with, um, Lytton could be recast and you could put um, Lewis Collins in there from um, The Professionals yeah, it's that type of era we've moved into here, Saywood really wants to write I think those type of action full on um, films or dramas, his problem is he's got Peter Davison and that's not the doctor you want. If you're going to have a doctor at all, this you want Tom Baker from *Seeds of Doom*, smashing Scobie's head into a wall, twisting his neck, and waving a gun. Scobie, of course, is the other obvious proto figure for for Litton. if you go back a uh, previous um, era, someone like Regan from um, *Ambassadors of Death*, or um, what's his name, uh, the, the the prisoner who's running the show in *Mind oh, of Evil*. Mailer, yeah, these type of hard men figure they turn up, they tend to be acting like people that you recognize. John uh, you know, Scobie, obviously, John Chalice. This is Lytton is fulfilling this role now. Lytton's journey, as we know, is interesting into Attack of the Simon, but trying to make him the central figure when it's Doctor Who and you have to have Davison in there, and essentially, Davison starts having to do things that Lytton would do. You, you can see this as well. Um, case of Androzani, you know, back to my earlier musing on how far Androzani is um, sailed as much as Holmes. Morris um, Rose's character, and you could imagine Morris Rose turning up in this. And of course, Rose had been in The Nightmare Man a couple of years before this, which could be a lot more violent than it is. The book suggested it, it, it could be. Um, and it's pre-watershed positioning probably limits what you can do in terms of adapting that book because there's a a particularly nasty rape in it and the evidence left in the victim is that the sperm is radioactive. And of course because it's to do with a radioactive submarine and not a monster at all There's a lot of spoilers there but you can see the type of thing that's going on in the background i mean this is the period of the mad death as well that 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 thing about rabies which has had that terrifying credit sequence of a dog barking i think it was blood dripping off his mouth that i might have imagined that or even while we're going after this in television to say something like um edge of darkness where you've got the kind of interrogation of that type of figure um, in both, um, oh, what's his name, Craven, and, um, oh, who's the American agent there? I've forgotten his name. That's terrible, because Darkness is probably the greatest BBC drama of the 1980s. Um, Jedberg, you've got these type of hard men who carry guns, but there's a kind of intelligent interrogation of, of what it is, because Darkness is the most amazing examination of grief alongside this conspiracy theory. That's not what's working here. This is much closer to... Actually, it's closer to the A-team, even though Saywell doesn't want it to be. He wants this to be the anti-A-team where people get killed if you've got guns. And so it's much closer to, say, Terminator, or that type of thing.
1: So if you're saying he could literally tear out the Doctor and make the story purely about listen, then he would be the one pointing the gun at Davros's head. He would be yeah. the one that is releasing the Mavellan virus at the end and wiping out the Daleks in the warehouse... And instead, yeah. got Peter Davison's Doctor doing it, which feels spectacularly out of
0: character. Yeah. Which, again, is part of this problem with the season or, or, or means that the, the, the crisis is going to envelop in 22. I think man, Michael Gray's point about that it was nasty, it, it, it is nasty. Look at Frontiers. Look at, look at what's meant to happen in Frontiers. You're meant to have the commander's head as a pendulum on the drilling machine and all the bits of the body. Now, they're never going to get that. <laughs> Big Me thinks you can do it. So sure, that even Big Me is thinking, he said, or say was encouraging. Oh,
1: and how that was described in the novel. It's yep. grisly. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yep. I mean, and it, it, again, its design lets them down as well. The, the, the um, oh, what are they called? The woodlife things.
1: Oh, the attractators.
0: Yeah. They're meant to envelop their yeah. victims, aren't they? You know, it's, you, It you need the budget of Alien and the design of Alien, what you've got is a local fiberglass factory producing woodlouse. <laughs> it's similar with this, I mean, the, the, the weaponry, say we'll want big guns, he you know, he gets a burnt face, but what he also gets are a comedy Dalek helmets on top of characters that it will define as to what they actually are. Are they human? Well, no, Lytton's not human, we discover that subsequently are, are they replicants though? Because that's what the text suggests. And then you have at the center of it,
1: Rodney Buse. But the difference between Frontiers, which came directly before this, and this is yeah, the production lets it down. Yeah, Ron Jones is directing it, and actually, I do think he gets better as he goes along.
0: He, yes, not a bad direction in Frontiers, actually.
1: But what you do have there is likable characters in Norna and Mr. Range and people like that, interesting characters in Plantagenet and Brazen. And you've got uh, a mystery that unfolds. You've got answers that are interesting. You've got fantastic ideas, and you've got some really tasty dialogue in there as well to get your teeth. And a single plot, and brilliant performances. So, yeah. So, so there's all that going on. And as much of any of that going on here,
0: not really. No. I mean, yeah. And it it, it starts from the script, and it doesn't get any better from that. Well, I'm looking forward to watching it. Are you? Oh, loving this! Yes. <laughs> oh, here we go. We're about to witness Rodney Bewes. I mean, I was just thinking there in the break. So they've had Polly James already in this season. They've had never seen season 19. They are going through the 1970 sitcoms, looking for their cast um, and children's TV. So here we go. Where are we? the the? Yeah, writers will be there eventually, won't they? Peter Davison. We've got to wait, wait a bit for Felicity Kendall. We do, we do, <laughs> yeah. And Paul Evans doesn't get that far. Here we go, and there's a gun. Yep, Davison with a gun. It's a comedy gun, and then Stein with the proper machine gun, which we haven't seen used before, and it's not the guns that the policemen use. So it's a weird continuity cock up. Oh, this recap is so awful, isn't it? It's terrible. I do think Davison does that sort of blazing-eyed fury quite well. You know, he does. But then, if you think about um the the single worst cliffhanger, uh, I think possibly in 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 old Who. Um, I guess. Go on. Is it? Oh, Mordron under episode three. course it is? It because be because the are you used season to season say season season. that when we were younger. <laughs> you Change my opinion. I mean, <laughs> Well, I he will
1: is... mean an end of me as a Time Lord.
0: Yeah, it's, it's... Yeah, because
1: I think he had an issue with doing like bringing it up for the cliffhangers. Have you watched the behind the scenes on Castro Alva? One where he does recursive occlusion, and you know he has to really sell that. The second they say cut, he just goes, "Oh God!" Like
0: it, like what's my career come to? I think I think there is an issue, of course, with bid me dialogue because I, mean, I think again it it it's it's Wood or Miles say that Bidmead insists on um he, he hates technobabble but it ends up as technobabble even though it might be accurate and it's kind of this repellent noise this of course is trying to avoid all that this is essentially mercenaries on a spaceship with a you know a, a, a virus that that's all easy to understand but then you get this kind of clunking dialogue and you get these nonsensical plot lines you know why why does the time tunnel come out here into 1984 why is the vellum virus here why this group of daleks trying to do so much just one single plot line would be enough and yet as you say you need a reason to keep on that spaceship otherwise they're just hanging around for no reason um get Davros off and get and gone what it, it, does the dalek spaceship not have a laboratory <laughs> You know, it it makes no sense whatsoever. It's a list of questions. Um,
1: Making that comparison revelation again, because I feel like there's a lot going on in that as well. But it is all tied around Tranquil Repose and Davros. Yeah.
0: and The only interesting revelation, I think, is when they suddenly make it about, tell the president not to land here. At the end of what is um, episode three in the four-part edit that they that they produce for 92 when he tell and the doctor tells perry to tell them to not land because of course the, you know, the president's wife is that's the big thing is not that's the big funeral there's nothing in the plot at that point to suggest that this is about an assassination it, it would make sense if car is trying to kill the president and take over everything but it, it's kind of a throw in it, it's again it, it's say we're doing these things and somebody no one they're going why is that there there's no, there's no sense, but there's definitely no blue pencil thing going on in this script here because things, particularly in this second half, because your question, what's the plot in the first half is the virus. What's the plot in the second half? Well, it's the virus and it's invading Earth and it's it's fascinating the high in the council. Love that
1: fascinating the high council. That's in there as well.
0: It is, yeah, and and it just Davos, and then the Dalek civil war as well, of course. Yeah. And like Davos Davros knows more than he should. We'll see Kirsten certainly knows more than he should because he knows he has, the, he has the arrogance of a Time Lord and that really weird way uh, Leslie Grantham has of speaking. Um, yeah, here's Stiles' laboratory. Oh, yeah, here's a big MacGuffin, isn't it? We spend a long, long time trying to get this self-destruct unit working. And then it looks like it's about to work, and then they get shot. And so then when, when Stein comes back, he's got to mess around with all the buttons again, Instead of just pulling the handle, it's it's the and and there's nothing to tell us it's reset itself. It's just here we get more here's a plot twist. Did you ever hear Eric Sword's opinion on this script? Eric does he?
1: No, he said it was the worst October script ever written. Um, you know ha ha, very funny, Eric. Thanks for that. Why did you write it? (laughs) Exactly. And this is your second pass,
0: because I don't think this was what was written for the season twenty. I think No he he rewrites i mean if you see the thing about season six there's a long running crisis around scripts in season six and they're losing scripts at a, a, a rapid rate and there's a merry-go-round as to who's doing what jobs but they still produce a really good season i love six in mm-hmm. some ways i prefer it to five even though five is, is...
1: six is just through its diversity i think it's yeah
0: mm-hmm. Um, I mean, weirdly enough, the, the two stories that you go, maybe you should have had something else, are the two home scripts, which, Crotons and Space Pirates, although I've kind of, the Space Pirates is growing on me at listening to the, the soundtrack to it. But even The Dominators, although it, it's not great, The Dominators, and clearly there's an issue when, like Planet of the Giants, you can remove an entire episode and it doesn't actually affect the story. And it really pisses off them too, which is why they won't come back and they take their toys and they, they, they stomp off. But given the crisis, that's a, that's a solid season. I mean, War Games is awesome. Um, Mind Robber as an experiment is incredible. The Invasion is too long, but grips. And Caesar Death is, is, is fantastic.
1: But this isn't
0: a seasoning crisis. This is the point. So how did this get through, other than the fact that no one is looking at what Saywood is producing? And you can see that in the in the parallel between K Zandrizzani and Twin Dilemma. If it is true, and of course the problem is because John Nathan Turner is dead, we 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 don't have his side of these stories. And you want you want John Nathan Turner on DVD commentaries, you want um Robert Holmes on DVD commentaries, and you want John Pearlie. If it is true that John Turner was focused on Twin Dilemma and was just letting them away with and Design, there's something seriously wrong in that production office.
1: There is one interview with JT in like a cafe in Brighton. Yeah. I think yeah, and like, and he does talk about Resurrection of the Daleks, and he talks about it as a as a fast pacy stylish story, and he talks about the location work, and he talks about the action, and I think. That might be where his focus was, because I know he read Kinder and went, "Well, I don't have a bloody clue what that's about." We'll make it because we ain't got anything else. But so I, I think maybe he thought this was all right. This was passable. It, it, it's it's full of incident. It's full of action.
0: I mean, one of one of the criticisms is that he takes sections out of scripts and then that he thinks are holding things up. This isn't held up. If anything, a lot of a lot of the scenes are too short in this, and the cut in between them is only emphasizing that There's too much plot, I think, so, and there's really enough space to expand upon. anything. is Earthshock we... to blame for all this, then? Is Earthshock to blame the
1: success of Earthshock? Are, are, I think you know, because you know, isn't it true that the last episode of Earthshock had the most amount of scenes in a single single.2 episode to that
0: point? That's right, I think, I think that's right. Uh, um. But that's all in the edit. I mean, again, I'm not sure who's editing this versus who's editing Earthshock. You, you do find that in the film, well, you know, um Thelma Schumacher, what do those films look like before she gets hold of them? Um, But I'd have to check on that. But I think Earthshock... Yeah. Earthshock... Um, Rachel Tulele
1: talking about Stephen
0: Moffat's scripts.
1: No. So she, she said, you know, long after their association has ended, she goes, those scripts were basically, <laughs> parts of them were unfilmable. She goes, and I really, we had to sit down and do some serious editing and some serious thinking about, because he just wasn't writing scripts that would translate into a smooth viewing yeah. experience. So, yeah.
0: um yeah. I think, I think again, you can see earlier times that. So um, Dalek Master Plan springs to mind there, where, you know, Tony Nation, the story, wouldn't he rock up and he'd give them what elementary scripts and their description of spaceships but you've got Douglas Canfield there yeah And you know Canfield is an incredible director and a, and a visual storyteller that's missing from here no it's not entirely Robinson's fault as we'll see when the Dalek civil war starts the Daleks have to stand around and tell us what they're doing because visually we can't tell what they're doing because the Daleks there's no Dif- difference in the color scheme if, if nothing else but you can also see with diet master plan um you know donald tosh is a better script editor than i think we realize because of the crisis around season three um that they kind of get overlooked because ultimately how much of what appears on season three is what john was and, and 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 tosh had actually planned to produce and how far is it left over from Lambert and how far is it then monkeyed around with, with Innis Lloyd and Jerry Davis. But I think that's those type of stories tell you that you need the director on board for some stories to make them work. And I think you can see that of Andrew Zani, how far Harper makes that script work. To, well, well, again, worth... comparison
1: with revelation, you got a Harper there, haven't you? And I think, you know, he was involved in every part of that. I want, I want to be involved in the music. I want to be involved in the design, you know, and,
0: well, I, it, it makes me think back to um, the question of who is directing Warrior's Gate. Because there was a... But I, th- I, mean, I mean, in, in Harper always deny that it was him, that it was Paul Joyce doing it. But I do wonder how far Harper is really doing this. The other figure I think is probably involved is Tom Baker. Because I think by that point, Tom Baker is the most experienced person making dot Who on that set. So if you've seen... Um, the really uncomfortable moment where they're filming them filming the leisure hive uh, that's on the um... oh that fucking dreary prop that bit you can tell Baker knows how to film that shot he goes doesn't he you come in on one
1: the three's over there you get a reaction shot from there and he literally knows everything
0: but I don't get the impression that by this point Davison is going to go yeah this is how you do it. Because, of course, there's the story that Davison, if, he, if he'd had the scripts for 21 in 20, he'd have stayed for the fourth year. Really? With this? Who raised this? You, you, you listen to him talking about it. He raised this. Yeah. It's baffling, isn't it? <laughs> I mean, this replica business, it, it, it's so slow. We're meant to think that they've done all those soldiers, whose number changes as well, of course. And that you would do this for everyone. I mean, it's it, as a process, it's ludicrous. As an idea, it makes no sense whatsoever. It only really works is if you're brainwashing the original, and it, that's how. Because you've got Stein, a replicant whose personality is breaking through, which I assume is why he puts on that stammer. But it makes no sense within the story whatsoever. I mean, this is this is kind of.
1: And unfortunately, I don't think it's there in the script. It's not explored well in the script. And it certainly isn't
0: delivered by the actor. No. Um, Unless he'd just been watching I Claudius and he thought that's the type of thing you need to do. Yeah, here we go Assassinate the High Council. I mean, why? This is it, you see. I mean, it, it talk about it's just lumping things in. Because the, the scripts are clearly were overrunning underrunning, I think, at some point. And so you're adding things to it. Or things things happen because they want them to happen. Here we're back to say was old favourite of breaking into a room or breaking onto a ship. He's already done it and now we're doing it again. We've already seen it this season in um Warriors of the Deep. We've seen it in um Earth Shock. Do we see it in Attack of the Cybermen. Because I don't think- like take it, it does write that. And, I don't,
1: uh, they look, They oh no, yeah, well she, do uh, you remember, Flast locks herself in that room with all the, That's right. And the Cybermen are trying to get in. I think that's the only real moment there.
0: Yeah, doorman. Here we go. Do
1: you know, how much influence do you think Levine's got here?
0: <laughs> During our break, I saw that he'd put up on Twitter a picture of himself with Sayward. My friend for 42 years. I'd say he's got too much influence by this point. Yeah. I think so. Um, well, here we go. Yes, the Daleks are now going to be... We're about to see the type of face that Leslie Grantham presumably pulled when he was performing sex acts on the internet video before he died. Um, Slick back hair, sallow look. This is, this is a really dodgy nightclub in the 1980s. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I was yeah. too young then. Yeah. There. Davros and particularly, you know, given given the last shot we have of Davros, with his hand missing and lots of white stuff emanating from his casing, I think there, there's something underneath the surface here, I think, and under acknowledged. There's there's an essay to be written here. You
1: were saying about all this homoerotic subtext with these uh, with these thugs. God.
0: Arnie's always a penis, and look at the guns that they've got. They're massive phallic-shaped things with a rather large head. So there's something the, the designers are certainly fulfilling the type of homoerotic fantasy that's within the script.
1: How does that uh, sound about the Daleks, then? They're essentially walking guns that are phallic shaped.
0: Hmm. Yeah. The, oh, he, ball- not,
1: he doesn't even leave the ship.
0: The Light like Supreme? Yeah. Oh he's he's probably agoraphobic or something. Um lots of big handles there. But
1: we just keep coming back to him in the ship, screaming his head off that things aren't going the way they should be.
0: Oh one I... there, isn't it? Is because Saywell doesn't think Daleks gonna have conversations. So quite why you have these scenes and all, I don't know. This is one of the stranger moments as well, of course, isn't it? They bring up the um the canister and then Doctor Play School here has some type of attack what is going on here yeah. what i mean there's no effect when people actually use that doesn't happen at any other point in the in the story it's just uh, baffling a whole the whole 1984 thing I, remember, I was watching
1: this and i was like do you know what because they're talking about earth in the yeah. films, aren't they and about how davros was placed on this prison ship and he goes yeah the people on earth have no taste for you know, capital punishment and things like this. And I'm going, what the people of 1984. And I know like they've, they've introduced the time tunnel, but it is confusing.
0: No, there's no need for the time tunnel because it makes no sense whatsoever. It adds nothing to the plot line. The whole link to earth is, 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 is spurious. Um, Actually,
1: we just saw replicants of um, Tegan and Turlow, didn't we? We did. How the get, get blown up when, the, when this station goes up as well? It's, just yeah, ghastly. Oh, all of this. Do you, do you think I have a ch- 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 choice?
0: It's very strange. Like right, troopers, there, all replicants, of course, have just been told, except they're not, except they are. It just depends on which page of scripture you're on. Entirely impractical outfits for tea. I mean, the, what they were lucky, of course, was that there's no one there to go, how much love. Because you know, prostitute chic is definitely what you want for your tea time audience. Policeman again coming to threaten her. But I do. I think this is the most ill judged sequence of all, where they just go along and just
1: murder some fella doing the metal detecting on the banks of the Thames. So
0: what is that all about? Metal detecting itself. The only reason he's got that. But what was it? We want somebody there, but he mustn't know what's going on there. What could we have? Could be deaf. How do we visualise that? Oh. It can be a metal detector no one's interested in them anyway. It's just the weirdest reasoning for doing it. Oh, here we go. This is uh, someone's been watching Survivors, haven't they? This is the only credits of it. Um but like, didn't
1: Doctor Who magazine run a, a thing that said that this had more deaths in it than Reservoir Dogs
0: or something but like more that. More deaths than Terminator 2. Um, I do didn't I do actually have more death in it than Terminator 2. I do actually have um I do actually have in my hand which stories have the best body counts oh go for it um, I've done your research let's see so and different, they do it between individual deaths and highest body counts mass deaths Curse oh. of Fenrir, 38 deaths, Genesis of the Daleks 39 deaths, Attack of the Cybermen 41 deaths, Monster of Peladon bizarrely enough 47 deaths, all their miners um, <laughs> never mind seventy four deaths highest body counts mass death, silver nemesis, genesis of the Daleks, remembrance of the Daleks, inferno and the Gotham oh, well, yeah, so, got... uh, i'd I'd say that's more conceptual then we're meant to take the master seriously yeah, yeah. well i mean that that in itself there's problems of elephant because then we the, the master wipes out parts of the universe. He wipes out the track and union, which is millions of people. And then we're meant to just go, oh, it's Anthony A You're going, heh, 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 or going heh, 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 in King's Demons. And I mean, frankly, Anthony a. is a terrible actor. I mean, it's a good job that he had private money to keep him in employment because I don't know how he's getting the work until survival. And but he's incredible in survival. what about treatment? This, Oh, Yeah, he's good as Tremers. He's good as Tremers. That, that, that's certainly true. Um, what's this? It doesn't lie on a massive bit of bubble wrap. As if he... the only reason
1: he works is just because they give him fun stuff to do, you know, <laughs> it's like batshit crazy stuff to do.
0: His, his, his feud with John Turner over um uh convention fees in the John Turner uh biography is, is incredible, and he comes across as. Deeply, deeply unpleasant man. Deeply unpleasant, money-grasping man. I mean ailing not 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 Turner. Although, oddly enough, at um one of the capital events that they held in Crawley a few years ago, uh Nicola Bryant was there and she she poured scorn on a lot of the claims in that book. She's the stuff about Jonathan Turner's table, that his table legs were so big you couldn't tie people's shoelaces around them. I mean, I was always suspicious of that, but when the the punchline, when Gary Downey is chasing um the boy around the production office, and he beats him off with the script for episode two of Timelash. That's too perfect a punchline because, of course, episode two of Timelash is shit and <laughs> does show so many of the problems with this era, which we see here in this one, is the, the padding out of scenes and not really thinking through what you're doing with your script. I mean, one level Time Timelash isn't as bad as this because there is a kind of coherent single story. Same with Warriors of the Deep. I mean, Warriors of the Deep, is hated, isn't it? Or I don't know. Has it undergone some massive renaissance? I don't don't think he is. I was watching it the other night. It's a lot better than I remembered. A lot better than I remembered. Pennant Robbers actually can do something with that, even though he's just getting dog after dog after dog. But I don't, you know, on one level it's better than this.
1: I mean, I prefer Time Lash, simply because the Doctor is having fun in Time Lash, and he's having no fun at all in this.
0: Arrows there. And the the Borat's makeup is phenomenal. And the Android is good as well. You know, there's a bit of thought in terms of the music, but this here we go. Bang! Your child is dead, children. Look at that. We just... <laughs> I and mean, it's crazy. It's, it's this... one of many dreamy deaths in this, isn't it? like shooting Andy Day on Mr. Tumble now. It's got that same frisson. You know what it is? It's like shooting
1: Floella Benjamin in, in the Sarah Jane Adventures.
0: That's true. That's here not... we go. Look. Past. Of course, Leela's missing, and that's deliberate on the part of the Doctor, isn't it? He deliberately suppresses memories of, of Leela so that when his reputant goes to Gallifrey, she'll know there's something wrong when he doesn't recognise her. Is that it's, for real, though?
1: Or is that they just forgot to put her in? Top,
0: Absolute rush. <laughs> uh, what it, if, we has got a stud in his ear. Yeah, he has, yeah, well, we you know, because he's going off down the same nightclub that Leslie Grantham's going to at Darfoss, Right,
1: yeah.
0: They're going to look at a bit of trade later on. I think it's the pink parrot from the tripods, you know, it, 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 they're, they're rocking on down there. And it's all right because they've got a few bent coppers to make sure it's, all you know, they're not going to get any trouble. No. But it's <laughs> the men as well, isn't it? It's all very, very, it's very obvious actually. But no. you know what? The, our, our
1: central plot, you know, um, the Movena virus and all of that, this is the first time that's really been dealt with in episode
0: two, isn't it? There's so much other shit going on. It, it's a real Terry nationism as well, of course, that it's a, it's a virus. You know, nations. Is he in America at this point? I think he is because, of course, he, he's got that executive producer. Here because, of course, he's, he's one of the weirdest facts about Nations is he, he's, he is an executive producer on MacGyver. Um really? Oh yeah, 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 yeah. <clears throat> uh, does does
1: Eric's, uh, say would put space in front of anything? That's one of my favorite ticks of Terry Nation: you know,
0: space medicine, space assassins, space command. I, I like. I, I... I've gone through the same thing most people go through with Nation of going. He's a bit of a hack to going. Actually, yeah, he's, he's he's good stuff. I mean, Alwin Turner is a colleague of mine at work, and we did a we did a talk on Terry Nation and survivors, and it was very interesting to look at Nation's career as a whole and how often it seems to go wrong. And he's making money from doing
1: picture a series, and he can write an episode one of a news Blake is the way back, the survivors opening episode, like. He has ideas. He's an ideas man. He does have ideas.
0: Yeah, always good to see Pat Trent. Mind you, he's bloody bleak as well, isn't he? We call what Eric say with
1: bleak. Terry Nation.
0: He's incredibly. I mean, have if, if you read the uh, the book of survivors that he wrote? No. Oh, so Nation obviously, when he walked away, still had rights to the episodes that he'd written. So he writes a book about um, Abby. And so it picks up when Abby leaves, and she gets to Dover, and and then she gets shot dead by her oh. son Peter, who doesn't recognize her. And there's a sequel where Peter becomes this kind of heroic figure who emerges to 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 lead mankind. But yeah, I nation so.
1: in, in the the sort of reef of spinoffery that Big Finish have done, those survivors
0: audios are unbelievably good. I don't know them. I must. Herif- go over time. But very, very good drama. I think I think Survivors... I think Terrence Dudley's vision for Survivors isn't good. Isn't as good as Terry Nation's. I think there is something to do with that. And yeah, the, 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 Growing
1: parsnips, isn't it, or something?
0: Uh, Growing parsnips, isn't it? Dudley has an idea that the BBC would stay on air as long as, as possible. And um, But actually, our intern says that's probably true, actually. The BBC would stay on that, that level of prices. But it, it's the difference between... It's Nation's line that he gives to um he actually plays Dr. Dr. Warlock in Pyramids of Mars. He's the teacher at the school, isn't he? It's the whole oh, thing about, exactly. Yeah, if, if you had to if you had to make an ax, you know, could you smelt the ore and all that? Which of course, if you if you look at when Nation is doing the publicity for it, he uses the same story. Whereas, of course, Dudley got really interested in that. So it becomes uh, here's an interesting point. Tape to tape spool. Just yeah. been shot. So low tech. I mean, they could have put a BBC micro there if nothing else. And the darts love a bit of tape to tape school because, of course, that's what they record in Genesis of the Dales. The last time,
1: though, because I we saw a lot of it in the seventies.
0: But it's nineteen eighty-four, and they've got BBC micros because they were putting them in all the schools. So you could do... Also, it's not meant. To... <laughs> it's not meant to be eighty-four, though, is it? If if the if if the away at the time and it had been eighty-four but anyway. That's by the way, Terence Dudley. Survivors ends obviously they get they find that Scottish Valley and they get electricity back through the um, the um, water wheel driven power stations. There's two very different nations. is far bleaker. It's complete collapse of society and try to start again, like in Daleks.
1: Yeah, I still think that Law and Order
0: is one of the best single episodes of television. I say I thought that was just brilliant. It's, it's it's too bleak. I, I, there are days when it's just too bleak. Also, of course, he's got the same title as the currently the longest running crime scene on TV and the worst Law and Order Special Victims Union or essentially Rape of the Week. <laughs> um, So I could, the two, in my mind in quite an unpleasant way because of course this, yeah, there is the rape in that as well. Of course. Here we've got the very moral moment here for Davison in a scene that Moffat has clearly watched Go for um, Death if you if you listen to the speech that Davros has when he's trying to persuade the doctor not to shoot him and suggesting giving the doctor an army so that he can impose peace, that's what Missy offers the doctor in Death in Heaven when she offers him the Sidemen army. Um uh, Kirsten knowing too much about time wars, but that's the problem crossing. The- it's this it the kind of being locked into continuity is the problem here as well, of course. Um that you don't need to know about the momentum virus. Why would you bother with that? You could just have that there's a virus that's impacted the, the dies. Why tie it up? And it's the same. It's going to cripple Attack of the Sidemen. It's just, it's the whole kind of obsession with the 20th anniversary and it just puts them on the wrong course, I think. Now, that's why much in order's as time of the run is risible is, is in many, many ways. It isn't locked into continuity. It has the Rani comes back, and then once you get into Paradise Towers, there's nothing. No, it's a new show.
1: I think that's the first time there's no continuity since
0: Vengeance of Varos, isn't it? Yeah, which um, is in this era. Um, it's only second to Revelation of the Daleks. Is new here's a speech now because it, this is this speech. If you remember, what, what's the documentary called where they have, have a talk in Anorak? A talking anorak? You, you were quite young at the time, but we, we definitely watched it because I had a bad videotape of it. Um, it was on... It must be 92 before they showed that... You know that repeat run where they show the time Edler and um oh, the mind robber? Yeah. This, there's, so there's, there's lots of clips. It was really exciting at the time because of clips you hadn't seen before. And this is one of them. And so this seemed far more exciting at the time. And same with Davros ranting about... um. Whatever that is, it's about the diet taking over everything. That's in it as well. It's a talking anaer. He's got a brummy accent. It's he, oh, he... what's it called? Resistance is futile or resistance is useless. That's it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. this scene is in that as the hype, and, and then Davison, um, the close-up in episode three of Kazaan Desani. But here's the speech Moffat is, is. Is,
1: is in isolation. You could probably pick a ton of scenes of this and put them in a documentary, and it would be enticing. Do you know what I'm saying? There's, 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 in isolation, like the Dalek being pushed out the window and things like that. The Dalek mutant attacking the man on his on his uh, neck. There, it's 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 oh, it's trailer fuel, isn't it?
0: I think there's a good one hour episode, one hour story here somewhere, buried in this script and with some of these performances. Having spent a long time pouring vitriol on it. Deservedly, I think because I think there's a lot of things wrong with it. There are individual bits, you Neil, know, and and that's frustrating. The individual bits make you question why the rest of it goes wrong. Here's Robinson as um, soap opera director. This seems really good because he can operate within that small space with two figures. You're going to see bad stuff then when he tries to have a full-on war between dikes and troopers in a very small space and it doesn't work.
1: What I love about that sequence between him and Davros is he fo- he puts that camera right in Peter Davidson's face and he's not scared of it. So and he and he emotes. And for a second, there's a there's a, a shred of emotion on the screen, which is quite nice. You know, I was just thinking about Terence Dix, right? In a commentary that he was doing um, in the 70s, he was talking about how he refused to pander to Doctor Who fans. And he he goes because they're going to watch it anyway. So 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 who cares about them? We'll just make good television that happens to be Doctor Who. And that's the problem here is that ain't happening anymore
0: i mean i I don't know how Suhid say what is to the program anyway, and I think how he's how he's appointed just reads wrong because of course nineteen bidmead leaves, Root is in place it is root isn't it and then I don't know how I don't know how Sayward gets appointed based on the visitation it, it, it's it, okay. <laughs> Is, is, is that uh, where the album, of course, the, the Big Me's only lasted a season and and Barry Letts has gone. And, he, he, and they've got this new format of twice weekly and it's moved into in away from um, Saturday. So where where are the script editors? And I mean, they kind of get away with it, I think, because Cassaville is very good. Pinder's is an awesome script, I think. Um, I don't know how far it always is on the screen. Earthshock is unlike anything Doctor Who's done before. It is that type of space opera that maybe there's attempts to do Pirate Planet, maybe, certainly Nightmare of Eden, I think. There's some the material in, in Horns and I, know, this is really it, here are big spaceships, this is Star Wars, this is Alien, we can do this. We've got melting bodies here as well, of course, which is another say with this. Season 20, though. And that's really you, get, you can feel continuity really digging its neck in, dig, digging its teeth into the neck of the show. Um, and 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 all the other problems like industrial action, problems with lighting. I think Mary Ridge is a good director. I just think she's really has pulled the short story there with Terminus, and I really like Terminus. I think I think it's a really good story there. I think I think it's clever enlightenment i find quite boring but the central concept is is very interesting i'm going to watch it again there but then king's demons and then you get into this and there's just back to the sense of where is the direction of travel and i think i think continuity is starting to eat away at the show and i think there's something around the emergence of conventions i think there's the relationship between the production office and fandom changes yeah
1: well they left. Quite- that's the trouble. They let them in and, you know, they were going to always going to get bitten on the arse and that's exactly what happened. Um, but of course, like, Sward is is on record as saying many times, you know, we just couldn't find the writers. People couldn't write Doctor Who distinctively, but this is effectively him giving his writers a blueprint of what he wants.
0: Yeah. I mean, I think, I think I read that Johnny Byrne saw Earthshock and he thought he'd have a go at that. And that's how you get Warriors of the Deep. I mean, but there's...
1: I feel like Warriors of the Deep actually is a reasonably structured script it's very linear but you know I can see the path they're going down and the conclusion that they're coming to I don't think a lot of it works and I think it is pedestrian in its direction but it's it's more easier to follow than this
0: yeah because it's a single plot line I mean this is quite well done but it's guns you see so there's it's proper noise but there's some terrible overacting death, you know, one we just have was a disco one, oh yeah, this one as well yeah, yeah. They,
1: they sort of stand there
0: suspended and shake for a bit, don't they so they're, they're, I mean we're not interested in that because they're replicas, <laughs> why do we care, it's Daleks killing their own things, because this all becomes very messy here kill Davros, kill Lytton kill everyone and then the Daleks come along and say oh look, here's, here's Stein
1: so what are we saying,
0: like, the universe is just fucked Everybody die.
1: That's pleasant.
0: I mean, Russell T. Davis, isn't he? He says in another show you could kill Rose at the end of Doomsday, but you couldn't in Doctor Who. And I think that's right. I mean, we've seen bleakness before. I think. I think when you did the overview of the '60s, you point to that run of stories in season three, Dalek Master Plan, and ah. the Ma- mm. and, um, um, The Myth Makers, and they are. Very very bleak, they are very bleak. But their style and their skill to the structure and their storytelling and there's characters, and they're doing something interesting. Mythmakers, The massacre two of the most interesting stories of old. Who full stop. Certainly of 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 Heartless Run. They're really looking at what the historical books can do. Now the last they're kind of because they're going to move with gunfighters and and smugglers into the type of stories that you get in film. So westerns and pirates, the massacre that shouldn't exist in Doctor Who. That that that's such a bizarre idea for Doctor Who that you look at that particular period in history and you shouldn't. It shouldn't work. And who knows? Maybe it didn't work, but on on audio, it certainly works. Um, but it's a that's, really that's, one of of stories.
1: You no, know, like look at Parting of the Ways, which is effectively a massacre featuring Daleks, but.
0: It really affects you when Linda with her wife dies. It's an it's an incredibly moment. A, I love part of the ways. I, I I absolutely. I mean that that I I become one of your angels. The music building up. You are the heathen. And then rose. Pears, that I can feel tears prickling every time I watch that. It and Linda's death works on an emotional level. That this I'm watching this and I'm just going. What is going on here? But like,
1: you know, you know, the bit where the Daleks suddenly they're not going up anymore. They're going down and they're going to murder all those contestants that are down. And then you cut to Linda's reaction. And she literally she, she's trying to turn off the console because she just doesn't want to listen to it anymore. And you ju- it's just horrible. But you really feel it. That's it, what There's I, just no
0: heart to this, is there? Daleks are saying what's happening and then they have to tell you what's happening because visually they can't tell you what's happening. And because the scripts got so confused, we don't know. A Daleks barking each Joe. If the Daleks are any good, one would shoot the other while they're talking. But this makes the Daleks risible. It really, really does. I mean, I mean, Daleks civil war you've seen done better in *Evil of the Daleks*. But
1: mm. well, I don't buy as well that Daleks talking to each other has to necessarily be boring. I don't think that's the case in *Power of the Daleks*. I don't think it's the case in *Evil of the Daleks*. I don't think it's the case in in. Jesus Christ, that fabulous scene in Doomsday where you've got the Dalek and the man talking to each other down the corridor.
0: That, 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 but um even Revelation, now of course, that's because Harper has made an, an odd decision about the voice in, in Revelation, hasn't he? That the 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 new Daleks are unmoderated because of how they've been constructed. So that's Harry Skelton, isn't it? He's zippy, yeah. He <laughs> gets a lot, doesn't he? Skelton's an amazing voice artist, though. If you if you watch him on Cyber in the early years, where he talks about the voice moderator they had to watch. I mean, I know that's going back a long way. Um, just it? his first Cyberman.
1: It is not bad, is it? It's just that that, that Mondasian Cyberman voice.
0: Here we go. Lytton, Doctor Shoot Doctor, and don't forget oh, Doctor Daleks. Mm-hmm. This is quite. Davis quite good in this bit, though.
1: And you know what? can and told, I have nothing
0: to do at all. I mean, as a leaving story, it's so incompetent. It's unbelievable. Janet Fielding should have just, she should have freaked out and walked off. I mean, she's concussed for half of it. and It is only a concussion, but it's a lot of, we must get her to hospital. Where's the ambulance? We must get to to hospital. Is Davros checking an escape pod that he would have no way of building? What's in that green vase? Is it absent? Uh, it must be. It looks like it. it. Must be. So for drink before they go down the disco here we go the central problem in this now go on well let's see Dalek's coming another door being blown open They're they're about to start spunking, aren't they? Yeah. makes me think of Adam and Joe's exterminate, exterminate sketches from from back in the day.
1: The only point I think it works is that bit in the warehouse where they're just gargling and talking incoherently. And I'm like, oh, something nasty is going on inside that case. Otherwise, it does just look like, you know, a lot of Gillette
0: flying about the place. When we cut back to Davros, mm-hmm. as we moment, the casing has caved in. So does the Mavellan virus affect the mutant or the casing or both? Oh. <laughs> Clearly both. Has to be because if it's only the casing, which would imply then why Davros starts spunking everywhere, because it is only the chair section. Because of course he's a different type of carlud, isn't he? That's the whole point of the whole bloody thing, this, this weird discourse around purity and augmentation is always at the heart of the dais from Genesis onwards, and is there in um, part of the ways when the god-emperor Dalek turns up and you know, he talks about pure and blessed Dalek flesh. So it has to attack the casing as well, because if it, if it doesn't, if it's just the casing it attacks, then they don't need Davros, all they need to do is redesign their casing. So again, it's not thought through properly at all. What's on the script and what's realised on the screen? I mean, or it might just be that this is, there you go, look, what's happened there, he's collapsed. Therefore, the casing has to be affected. But we're never told that they're interlinked by that in such a way. So it's a very, very clever virus. But then, you know, the Mavellans were disco funk robots from the late 70s. So they were cutting edge. They were. <laughs> they he's
1: great. had to take out their power pack and they do a slow mime to their deaths. Yeah.
0: Davros having a power wank there by well, the looks of it. <laughs> it
1: looks like it. Oh, I do. I'm gonna talk about that image, you know.
0: It's the hand there, he's just he got caught out. Oh
1: yeah, there, that I mean that's pretty nasty. It's the sort of image you'd only get on Doctor Who. Do you know that bit a second ago when Lytton shot the guard that's with him? He goes, Oh, yep. they're going, and so are you, and then just shoots him. It's like, that is just indicative of what's wrong. Why
0: would you have to do that? It, there's a problem in that Sayward is trying to introduce James Bond-style comments, and it's going to bite him hard in season 22. So um, when Colin Breaker kills Shokai, when the Sixth Doctor kills Shokai, but also it's why people misunderstand what happens in the acid bath scene in *Vengeance of Varas, because you always hear the Doctor pushes them into the acid bath. No, he doesn't one bloke tries to push him in he wrestles and the guard falls into the bath and then he pulls his mate in really? yeah and then baker goes don't uh, you'll excuse me if i don't join you or something like that and he might as well do it as a cod um sean connery uh don't mind if i don't join you or raise his eyebrow like roger moore and it's the same with your just desserts in um um two dots but you can see the rot is here I mean that's quite a good effect when he shoots him, but then Rodney Beer's face—that's very similar to the effect you're going to get in um, *Revelation of the Daleks* as well, when the swirl from around Orsini, when when he, again, it's it's just a bomb at the end, isn't it?
1: But the it's, entire ship blows up. Everybody that's already dead is buffed. So so none of it meant anything.
0: Not really, no. Um, but Lytton survives, and and the and the and the policeman who is never actually stating this—they're robots, which. I think they become robots when you get to it.
1: See, I don't think that's ever explicitly stated in either story.
0: It's not. Are they are they replicants? I don't know. It's just it's very odd. It's kind of sinister. That like, whole thing about police don't make policemen frightening. That letter that Barry Letts got. It's just irrelevant now, isn't it? I mean, the relationship with the police has changed in the thirteen years between Terror of the Orphans prompted questions in the House of Parliament now, because of course you've had the whole corruption saga in the in the met which is dramatized in our friends in the north you've got just after this you've got the shoot to kill inquiry in northern ireland so i think people were more willing to accept that the police weren't necessarily paragons of virtue by the time this comes out which is how they get away with it i think in Attack of the Sidemen, of course, you do have um, another policeman, don't you? You have the undercover policeman. Oh, John
1: Malloy's character, yeah.
0: Um, who's killed off, like, very quickly and needlessly, and again, is another example of how, Saywood introduces characters and then doesn't really know what, what to do with them. And here's Janet Fielding off. I mean, I I, I mean Janet Fielding is... She's a good thing, isn't she? I've, ne- I've never really got the the liking for Tegan. Um... I think she's grown on me over the years.
1: Oh yeah, I know I know you haven't listened to a great deal of Big Finish, but actually I feel like they've perfected her character because they write her with a lot of humour, which was completely absent on screen. On screen she's just crabby.
0: Humour is not allowed in this version of Doctor Who. And again, I think that might be part of the problem with, with Baker. People have forgotten that the Doctor can be funny and the show can be funny, but it's a particularly macabre type of, of humour. Um, that creeps in there in creeps in there, that's the wrong word isn't it? it? It's thrust into the show in in, in season five. You couldn't imagine, I don't think, um, Paul Darrow's character from Timelash rocking up during a Davison run. Nah. I don't. I don't anything they're going to allow all that type of thing to go on there and of course and i
1: think what you said earlier about colin baker being just naturally funnier as well i think they they give him they try and give him comedy lines but i think actually it's the moments he finds on his own to be funny in season 22
0: that land i think that's right i mean i i think i think it's just better run better run of stories well. i think attack of the side is, is a better story than this benjamin barros Blitmark is, is is a really great fit for the, the programme, I think. Even Mark of the Rani, um, i got a lot of time for. I mean, they're not the best writers in the world, but it, it lets Baker do something different. And it's picking up that theme of transformation that's running through the script. The the, the weak scripts there, I think, are time-lash and, enough, Two Doctors. I'm not sure Two Doctors really works at all um i think i think this, the essentially six parts don't work it's, it's interesting they give it to holmes because Holmes is there when they essentially move away from six parts they kind of break the tyranny of the six part under under himself and, and Hinchcliffe because six parts don't always work and there's a lot wrong with two doctors um a lot wrong i think a lot of it's to do with, down with with design but it's also how far it's gone too far in a particular direction of that type of story, and you're back to them. What is Sayward actually doing with the show? What's his vision, or is it something that he and Holmes have come up with themselves? And really, it's Holmes doing what kind of he wanted to do earlier on, but wasn't able to. I mean, that kind of body horror. There is an argument, isn't there? It's in, it's in the it's in that book of scripts that were released for season twelve that the Simon should be the obvious Holmes monster, but he doesn't. He doesn't like. And yeah. so Render Simon the Sidemen doesn't look at the transformation at all. But then he come you know, season two is about cannibalism and transformation. And here he is with the episode that's got both of them writ large in there, while he's trying to have this anti meat message and it doesn't doesn't quite necessarily land, but I don't I, I don't know. Um oh, that's over mm-hmm. and that's finished, taking notice of it actually ending, which tells you a lot about <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> what well, we were talking anyway. Um
1: okay. I- and the only thing about um, Sayward is what uh, j and says in his diaries that were published in Doctor Who magazine was, you know, they went off the air for 18 months. And when it came back for Trial of a Time Lord, he had 18 months, he was still sitting in the office. You know, he had all that extra time to get those scripts in for Trial of a Time Lord. And he just couldn't
0: do it. Even with the extra time, he couldn't do it. I mean, but who whose idea is the trial structure, though? i thought. Uh, How does that get pinned to? Well, it's... say what pins at the JNT, but he's not around to actually correct that view. Um, because it's there was a really interesting, I think it's Paul Cornell writes it, that there's a version of Trial of a Time Lord that builds to the Daleks of the Big Reveal, And that, that there's a way of that it works and that actually you have this big six-part at the end of it rather than trying to do it all in 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 two. And again, it's another season where the scripts are dropping like a stone because, what's it, Trevor Story is meant to write one, but all he comes up with is the view of somebody, isn't it, someone sitting in a gas silo playing um, a saxophone. Right, yeah. That's essentially what you would do with McCoy, I think. That's not too far off that they open the safe in season 27 and McCoy falls out of it and says, what took you so long? So, of course, if, if the answer to your question is Pip and Jane Baker, I think you've probably asked the wrong question. Although they do equip themselves quite well in Mark of the Rye, and you know Terror of the Verwoys is is all right. If you imagine Terror of the Verwoys as a standalone episode in a longer season, you go that was that was okay. But they do—they
1: they remember to put the Doctor front and center. They remember the kids as well, which I really like, and they do just remember to make Doctor Who colorful and
0: fun and funny. And they can, they can structure an episode because they're old hands at this something. And again, it, it, there is a serious point there that they can't get writers. But the, the compounding factor is can Say would write Doctor Who?
1: I mean, I think he, he can because I think he does write a great script in Revelation. Is it Doctor Who?
0: I'm not sure. Again, you come back to, he doesn't really want to, what he's writing isn't really Doctor Who, it's got the word on it, the name on it rather, rather, the title on it, and he has to have the character, but they're interesting experiments. They're almost Doctor Light stories before there was a concept of the Doctor Light story. Um, And I think Revelation is hands down his best script and and is the best story in season 22. And it is a really great example of what what they could do. I think Malloy is great in it. William Gaunt is great, and Eleanor Braun, who you know, had that incredible career in the She's there and uh, with the the, the major Saha movements and kind of this forgotten figure. Um, but you're left thinking with why why do we have that now? But a year ago we had this. And uh, a lot of the people involved in it seem to think it's really good. And it really, really isn't. Unless you just watch it, even if you turn your brain off, I don't think it works because there's there's visuals in it that just don't work.
1: And yeah, I don't think there was an adverse reaction to this at the time. I think this polled well in the DWM survey. Like we said, the ratings were good. People were eating it up, but I don't I don't believe this was the standard of television in the mid
0: eighties. No, no, I mean I th- I think I think that because they try and tell essentially the same type of story four times in the season. The budget's not there and and you do end up playing you're, you're telling the same story four different times in the season
1: well you just gave me some wonderful reasons as to why we should watch revelation of the daleks um unfortunately i'm now you're in the disadvantageous position of having to give me i'm almost tempted to say three reasons why not to watch resurrection of the daleks and just do that for the first time ever but could you find three things three things to
0: Recommend for this story? I I, th- I think so. I think I think it's probably necessary to watch in order to set up the idea of the Dalek Civil War that's going to play out in the next two, mm-hmm. Daleks, um, and a kind of a, a bridge back to Destiny of the Daleks. I think Terry Malloy emerges as a good Davros at this point, but he's not a great Davros yet. He's a great Davros in Revelation of the Daleks when he's written. Very, very different at this point. He's not as good as Michael Wisher, he will become as good as Michael Wisher, I, I, I think. And I, I do wonder what it would have been like with Michael Wisher in it. Um, I think of an example of how not to write Doctor Who, it's a good thing to watch as well. Um, so kind of a negative reason. Uh, I, th- I think Davison is good in it, even though he doesn't really do anything really until the end. So, yeah, there's four reasons to watch it one's negative, and then three. So, I can do positives for it, three as well, though. There's a trouble.
1: Oh, I'm going to... Oh, Jesus Christ, the Lord. I think you may have taken all the best as well. Uh, Okay. I'm going to say I think that Matthew Robinson does not have the budget to achieve everything he wants to do, but he does capture some... Arresting imagery at time. I don't like what he's doing, but things like the close up on that horrible melted face, a Dalek going out the window, stuff like that, the opening shots, you know, through the crisscross walkways and things like that. So Matthew Robinson does acquit himself well, but I mean he's got that script to work with, so he can only deliver the script he's been handed. Um, and he does it gamely. Uh <clears throat> It's nice to see Rula Lenska. I don't know. She's quite
0: fun.
1: Yeah. And finally, oh,
0: good God. Oh, I, I actually you know the fact that he puts a woman into that role and that you've got a woman as the scientist working with the team and the fact that you've got um, um, three faces from the black and ethnic minority community. Yes,
1: there you go. That'll be after the ethnic representation, which yeah. is very refreshing. But then I would skip forward to, say battlefield in the season 26 where there is some phenomenal representation and you know what they're all characters as well and they're fun to hang around with and you know they all service the story so
0: had to go through season 25 when all the black characters are associated with jazz or slavery or some type of rap as well so but it's a process and yeah i think once you hit 26 Suddenly, 2026 is looking, is pointing forward to New Who in really significant ways, I think. Uh, truly
1: denied a fascinating period of Doctor Who in the 90s, weren't we? I know we had a lot of stuff coming out. They were churning out stories in the 90s. But I think given what you see being made at the time, stuff like Bugs... And Crime Traveler and things like that. And then just how although there was that sudden wave of American cult TV shows that came in in sort of mid to late 90s. Oh, it would have been so interesting. <laughs>
0: So the BBC gets locked into that they know they want Doctor Who, but they don't want Doctor Who. So you get shows that could be Doctor Who, but they're not Doctor Who. Crime Travel is the obvious one. Bugs as well. Then Bugs is kind of linked with... with um. I don't know, I've know i written on this and I can't remember what I linked it to. But also if you think something like uh, Virtual Murder, which is kind of looking towards almost um, Mulder and Scully, those type of figures. So it, it, it's there, but it, 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 you have to wait until that generation get into a position of making TV who'd watch the program in the 1970s and eighties in particular. And, and I think this weird enough, this is the touch point for, for Moffat more so than say the seventies. Whereas I think for Aronovich and that slightly earlier, they're really seventies figures. Um, and Davis, I think can go across, Everything. I think. I think he's got such a total grasp of it. It's hard to say what his favourite period is, and or he's always more eighties as well, isn't he? Because like
1: he cherry picks Ace and Tegan in
0: the Power of the Doctor, which is fascinating, given his absolute program for season twenty three when they let him loose on whatever that terrible TV program is, where Packy Caldwell's clearly quite drunk and John nathan Turner is quite cross, and and it, it's Pip and Jane Baker, isn't it? They they turn up looking. <laughs> Like they've escaped from play school in the in the in the seventies.
1: <laughs> they go. I think you, Doctor Ufans are a bit ungrateful. Do you know? <laughs>
0: um, it is it was a weird period. It's, it's interesting that the storm breaks after after this. I I think I think a lot of it is goodwill towards Davison. I think, yeah. um, and I think because there's just there's just enough good stories in that season. Because if you knock out. Frontius, and if Casey Androzani is by another author or it's by a different director, suddenly you've got a season that's looking really ropey, and do the fans stick with it? And what's building there that's going to explode in twenty two? But yeah, you know, your bigger issue of course is forces within the BBC themselves. and you know, they must be looking at twenty one and twenty two. It can't just be twenty two because it's it's it, that's a big decision.
1: No, it's no. We know Gray turned on Warriors of the Deep and saw that murker. <laughs> <laughs>
0: heading down that corridor. and said, "Are we wasting money on this shit?" See that they're they're caught because if 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 you, if you read the other stories, that they were advised to drop it, and John Nathan Turner refused to drop it because of the money they'd spent on it. So by not dropping it, they expose themselves to having spent money on it. But if they hadn't put it on screen, they've also wasted the money on it. So it, it, yeah, I mean, it, it, they're on. The crises aren't always going full, but the problem is when you sit down and write the script, do you actually think they can produce something like the Merker*? And realistically, you don't. It's interesting Johnny Bernard come from um, Space 1999, where they do have a bigger budget. I don't know their monsters always work. But I think that Dragon's Domain is a spectacularly nasty piece of television and does kind of work. That tentacly one with the big light that sucks people in and then spits out dried husks, absolutely terrifying. Um, so he it might be that he's thinking in those terms, though. Of course, the budget doesn't save it. It's just another one of those short-lived shows. In the end, that, that we remember because of the scares and because the, because the spaceships look really good. But actually, if you sit and watch them back to back, some of those episodes are really really boring. And of course the tonal shift between season one and season two is as bad as the tonal shift between season one and season two of Buck Rogers. And that doesn't last beyond that second season either. And then you look at what happens with say, go to Galactica, Galactica 80 and it's Gary Coleman as a, as a child president and, and they're riding around on quad bikes. It's all weird stuff. I mean, there is an, there is, there is certainly a sense that there's a crisis is overtaking. I've used crisis a lot actually. Crisis is the wrong word here, but, but, come 1980 81 you're losing a lot of tv sci-fi and fantasy in this country you know you get the last of the quaker masses which had already been delayed from the 70s saffron still finishes blake sevens finished um and doctor who seems to be running into trouble but it's against the backdrop where these shows aren't getting made and in the 70s you have a lot of short-lived stuff you think about Moonbase 3 you think about Doomwatch, but at least they're producing these things by the time you get to eighty nine and Doctor Who's been cancelled, the only the last man standing is Red Dwarf, mm. And I don't know if that's produced by the Comedy Department of BBC, I can't remember, but it's it it's light entertainment, yeah. Which is always treated really differently. And of course you think about the um the young ones, famously at the start of the decade, they have music acts in because they have a higher budget. So Doctor Who could have somehow squeezed m- music accent, they might have got more money. But Enterprises should have been kicking money into it anyway, because they were making money. Doctor Who never lost the money. So the money could have been there if they could have moved it across. But I don't, I don't know. I think the seasons are too long. The budget just isn't there for them. But the issue is, is around the writing as well. And this is a prime example. The show is starting to eat itself. But the fans are lapping it up because it's got the Davros and it's got the Daleks and it's got a reference to the Vellans and it's got a Flashback. And 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 it is kind of hard and gritty, and they think that's what sci-fi should look like. Even though they're fans of a show where they know it, it, it should never really look like that. There should be some something to leaven that level of nastiness. Even there in twelve, thirteen, and fourteen, which is as bleak as the show gets up to that point. Not in, in terms of the type of story they're telling. Not the kind of the three stories we spoke about in season three. There's a still a lightness of touch there. There's characters we care about, as you said. There's 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 the comedy, even if it's very dark comedy, and it, it's just it's just not here. Even though David's background is sitcoms,
1: and you've got the Doctor and the Assistant
0: right at the heart of the story as well, which yeah. and that's not here either. It's two. It's two. It's the Doctor and the Assistant. It's not an overloaded um, TARDIS because, of course, here you've got the Doctor and you've got Tegan and you've got Turner, and nobody really cares about Turner because he's never. Developed properly, but you've then got Stein and you've got Styles and you've got Lytton, who's really what you want to about. And it just it's spread too thin. And what's interesting is Twenty Two takes you back to the Doctor and the Companion, mm-hmm. and for the most part they put it, the it just feels much closer to the Doctor. Twenty Two, I think, is is tremendous in, in many many respects, and and it's a shame the plug was pulled because there was a sense in which they're shifting it into a different direction. Um, and if they just get a bit longer, but it, it, you know, 21, I think, does for them. And it's part of this general rejection of sci-fi and this move into Prestige TV. I mean, ITV is interesting because at the same point, we don't talk about ITV in terms of sci-fi, but they're producing quite interesting one-off series of fantasy. And also, of course, Robin Sherwood is just, Robin Sherwood is going to make a monkey, Doctor Who at this point. Um, and of course, it does appear this year. And it's showing what you can do um, if there's a bit of thought put into it. I think Robin Show is really interesting. I think there's a bit more money there as well. There is more money there. And yeah, it, it ends sooner than they plan. But even like Knights of God from 87, which is full of Doctor Who, you know, Trouton's in it. It's not broadcast after he's dead. Gareth um, Thomas is in it. Um, John Woodville's in it. There's The director is out of Doctor Who, is one I've forgotten who he is. Really fascinating use of Arthurian legends and so really the interesting stuff is being done on ITV and Doctor Who it's it's trying and then when it actually gets it right really no one's watching it and and I think a lot of the blame for that is here in 21.
1: No that is almost a perfect segue into introducing the story we're going to talk about next time getting it right when nobody's watching and just as the chop comes down and that is the very last Doctor Who story ever brought up, uh, sorry, um, made. <laughs> Thank you very much.
0: Filmed is the word I'm looking for. Where are we going next? Gabriel Chase in, what, 1888, 1889, and the superlative ghost Possibly the greatest Doctor Who story of the 1980s. Um, I, it's amazing. And I'll fight anyone online who disagrees with me. And 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 I didn't see the second episode of that for ten years because I was in hospital when it was broadcast. And I understood that the story straight off. So anyone who goes, you can't understand it the first time, you're wrong, as you'll discover when we record it.
1: It's wonderful that we've we've gone with a story you really don't like, and now we're going to go in the other direction to a story you really love. You're only going to get any objections from me because that's my favourite McCoy. It's probably in my. Top three of the '80s. I think it's an extraordinary script, and given what you've managed to shake out of Resurrection of the Daleks, I dread to think what you're going to pull out of Ghostlight with all those literary references in there. Um, I think we're going to have a lot of fun. You're good. Well, it just leads me to say thank you so much. I, this is—I knew this was going to be great, but you have been phenomenal, and I'm just going to say until next time.
0: You're welcome, Joe. I enjoyed it a great deal and I, I look forward to um So, um, thanks a lot.
1: Bring it on.